Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Today on Parts Per Billion, marijuana. The pot industry is growing really fast in states where it's been legalized, but an EPA decision on pesticides could bring all of that to a screeching halt. Hello and welcome once again to Parts Per Billion, the environmental policy podcast from Bloomberg BNA. I'm your host, David Schultz. So we all know pot is legal in a few states. Washington, Oregon, Colorado, and Alaska. And in the very near future, it's going to be legal in even more states, including California and Massachusetts. Of course, all of this legalization has essentially created a legal pot industry almost overnight, and that industry is booming. Last year, marijuana generated more than $140 million in taxes and fees, and that was just in Colorado. So now the people who grow and sell pot in these states are no longer outlaws, but instead they're just basically, well... Farmers, and like all farmers, pot growers want to protect their crops from all the bugs and weeds and mold that all the farmers are pretty much constantly fighting all the time. But there's one problem. The EPA has to approve pesticide uses, and it still hasn't approved any pesticides for use on marijuana. Why is that? Because marijuana is still illegal at the federal level, remember? During the Obama administration, the agency was actually working on figuring out a workaround that could help out pot growers. But now, under Trump, the EPA has done a 180 on this. That's according to Tiffany Stecker, Bloomberg BNA's agriculture reporter. And Tiffany joins us now to talk about this major reversal on pot. Hello, Tiffany. Hi, David. Hello. Uh, so first, Tiffany, let's talk about the growers, the people who are you know, in greenhouses and in uh, maybe out, out in fields growing pot. Uh, what options did they have to kill pests, either legal options or not so legal options. So pot growers do have options for treating their crop, their marijuana. They have a, the states that have legalized pot either for medicinal use or for recreational use have put together a list of what they can legally use. And now these are pesticides that are pretty innocuous. They're made from say garlic oil and they're exempt from federal a registration because they're not toxic. The thing with these pesticides is that they also don't have a lot of data on how effective they are, and they don't have a lot of information on how to use it. So there's not a lot of know-how on how much to dilute for their cannabis plants or, you know, how often to use it. And this is really hindering uh, growers who would like to use them. So the, the pesticides that they can use are, are non-toxic, which uh, is good, but also may not work at killing pests, I guess, which is bad. 
Right. It, it kind of defeats the purpose. And I mean, I don't want to say that they don't kill. Uh, it's just there's not information on whether or not they do kill and how much is needed to get the job done. It sounds like, though, based on some, some data that you found, that uh, even though there are no pesticides that are legally approved to use on pot in these states where it is legal, some of these growers are still using the pesticides anyway. Is that the, the sense that you're getting? Right. Now, uh, I haven't really uh, crunched this data yet, but I have seen uh, numbers from Oregon and Washington that shows that there there are some pesticides being used. This isn't widespread, but it is there, and it is pesticides and fungicides that are concerning. One in particular is called microbutanol. This is a pesticide that when heated uh, creates hydrogen cyanide gas. That's not very healthy to inhale. So uh, this this is concerning and it shows that growers are going to uh, legal methods to uh, to do what they need to do. And these may be growers who are growing the plants legally now through these these new programs in the states but are you know, having to resort to these pesticides that they really can't use. That's right. So during the uh, Obama administration, the EPA was kind of, I got the sense they were moving toward trying to have a workaround that allowed some pesticide growers to use certain pesticides in, in these particular states. How were they going to do this? Because, you know, the federal government still considers marijuana a, you know, a legal drug. Two years ago in 2015, the Office of Pesticide Programs at EPA came together. They saw that there were more and more states who wanted to allow their growers to use pesticides and said, this is an issue where we should really hand the registration to the states um, and, and oversee them as a federal EPA, as a federal agency, but have the states handle this. So these kind of requests are usually pretty uncontroversial. There's dozens of them that are issued every year. So it's like a, a state might say, uh, let's say Texas is like, oh, we've got this big, you know, beetle infestation in our crops. We need to be able to use this pesticide. Let's just, can we, you know, EPA, can we just do this in Texas? It's that kind of thing. Right. So EPA releases this guidance to to Colorado specifically, but really meant for all of states that are have legal marijuana to say, uh, these are the steps you need to take if you want to make this kind of request. You basically have to find uh, some kind of parallel, let's say, uh, hops or tobacco. So because those are two plants that I guess are used kind of in similar ways to that, that marijuana would be used. That's right. And, uh, and that is exactly what the states did. Um, Scott's Mir- a subsidiary of Scott's miracle Grow asked certain states to whether they could ask EPA to register four of their pesticides. Uh, the states did that in late 2016, and last month in June, they got an answer from Scott Pruitt himself. So the EPA told states what to do, they did it, then the administrations changed, and then Scott Pruitt responded. What was his response? Uh, very simply, no. It was a very short letter. <laughs> um, two, two, one word, two letters, no. <laughs> That's right, the EPA dashed the hopes of pest-ridden pot growers across the country. So why'd they make this about-face? Is it just because Scott Pruitt believes in clean living and hates hippies? Well, maybe not, and we'll get to that in a minute. But first, we wanted to remind you about this new thing we're doing here at Parts Per Billion. We've started our own hashtag that you can use if you want to chat with us on Twitter or just ask us a question. That hashtag is Parts Per B. 
So tag your tweets with hashtag parts per B, and we'll see them and maybe even respond. Maybe. So hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag parts per B. All right, so we're chatting with Bloomberg BNA's Tiffany Stecker about the EPA's evolving attitude towards using pesticides on pot. She says you shouldn't necessarily assume Pruitt took this step for purely ideological reasons. Well, yes, I did speak to former officials at the EPA who said that um, Administrator Pruitt is really putting these states in a bad situation where they uh, need to provide tools for this growing industry and uh, they can't. Um, But, you know, on the other hand, the Obama EPA was in a position where they could give advice and they could have a certain philosophy or point of view, but they were never in a position where they had to make a decision and back it up legally. And, you know, Scott Pruitt was in that position. And it's really not clear if he could have allowed these registrations and have a, a, a sound legal reason for it. So it might not necessarily be that, that Pruitt or the Trump administration is just like, we don't like these pot smokers, you know, let's go get those hippies or whatever. <laughs> like they're, it might be that they're, they looked over, they had their lawyers look over what the previous administration did and, and they came to the conclusion that this really won't hold up in court. We, we can't really do this. Yes, that's a possibility. Yeah. Um, so what does this mean for, for growers now in these states, you know, Washington, Oregon, um, uh, Colorado, soon to be California, Massachusetts, other states? Do they just have to basically say, all right, we kind of have to, you know, if we want to abide by the law, we have to deal with lower yields because we're going to be dealing with pests. There's not really much we can do to stop these pests. We're going to lose crops. That's, is that they're basically their, their only option? Well, at this point, I think that there are two ways this could go. Either the federal government could pass uh, some some kind of decree that would either legalize marijuana or hand the issue over to states and say, this is not, you know, an issue of federal oversight anymore. Or they don't do that, and that forces the industry uh, to take up practices that don't rely on pesticides as much, such as uh, organic farming or uh, biotech. There is There are some plant biotech companies, one in Colorado specifically, that is working to uh, develop marijuana that would be more resistant to pests and uh, clone plants so that it, they could be easily replaced without having to be treated with pesticides. So we're talking about uh, GMO marijuana? You got it. That would be interesting. Um, so I guess, is, is that where we're headed? Is that, you know, the marijuana industry is going to have to look for a workaround around this? I mean, because this is a, a huge industry. And, you know, if this were corn or soy, you know, I can't imagine they would just kind of throw up their hands and say, well, you know, we're going to lose a bunch of crops and, and not much we can do about it. You know, is this how is, is this going to affect the industry and could it sort of put a halt to the to the growth of this industry? It's really early to say. I mean, a, a lot of these states are in the very, very early stages of regulating marijuana. Uh, there's a lot of questions across the board on how it's going to be sold, how it's going to be 
regulated by the state government. So I think that's just one of the many questions is what direction is this industry going to go? Yeah, this is, I guess, not not the one of many questions that this industry is going to have to face in the future. So that was Bloomberg BNA's Tiffany Stecker talking about marijuana and pesticides. Thanks for chatting with us. Tiffany, for more of her reporting on the environmental issues surrounding agriculture, visit our website at bna.com. This episode of Parts Per Billion was produced by myself with help from Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle. Very special production assistance this week came from Catherine Moran. Thanks, Catherine. Um, the uh, music for Parts Per Billion is A Message and Wild Ones by Jazar. They were used under a Creative Commons attribution share-like license. More information can be found at betterwithmusic.com. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.